Welcome back to another episode of the Secular Buddhism Podcast. This is episode number 168. I am your host, Noah Roshetta, and today I'm going to talk about practicing signlessness. Keep in mind, you don't need to use what you learn from Buddhism to be a Buddhist. You can use what you learn to simply be a better whatever you already are. If you are interested in learning more about Buddhism, check out my book, No Nonsense Buddhism for Beginners, available on Amazon, or listen to the first five episodes of this podcast. And you can find those by visiting secularbuddhism.com and clicking on the Start Here link. If you are looking for a community to practice with and to interact with, consider becoming a patron by visiting secularbuddhism.com and clicking the link to join our community. Now getting started with today's podcast episode, Signlessness. In the last podcast episode, I mentioned the three doors of liberation. This is a, a concept or a teaching that is appears to be universal. Uh, in other words, every school of Buddhism talks about these three doors of liberation. And the three doors are emptiness or formlessness. So emptiness, signlessness, and aimlessness. And I talked about aimlessness in the last podcast episode, and I thought I would go backwards and maybe talk about signlessness in this podcast episode. I know I've done an episode on emptiness, perhaps even more than once, but I haven't done one specifically about signlessness. So this is the podcast episode about signlessness. Now, just as a quick refresher, formlessness or emptiness alludes to the understanding that things inter-are. Uh, this is the understanding of, or I guess the implication of things being interdependent. Uh, what does that say about the sense of self or the teaching of non-self? It's the realization that there is no permanent thing that exists independent of any other things. In other words, all things have causes and conditions. This is because that is. And the analogy that I use to visualize this as a car broken up into all of its parts. You can't take one single part once it's broken up into its parts and say that's the car because the car is the sum of all of its parts. And the overall idea here is that all things are that way. You can take anything and look at its causes and conditions, its parts, and conclude that the thing that you think is a thing isn't, it doesn't actually exist independent of its causes and conditions. Uh, aimlessness was having no goal, having having no destination. I am never lost. Um, the last episode goes uh, into aimlessness. And then there's signlessness. And I wanted to spend a little time sharing some of my thoughts on how this notion of signlessness works for me, what comes to mind when I think about signlessness, and more specifically, how do you practice signlessness? So, Again, as a summarized version of signlessness, this is the teaching that uh, the outer appearance of things, in other words, their sign, uh, can mislead us to thinking that that is the thing itself. Uh, a cloud looks like a cloud, but if you look at it long enough, you'll realize that a cloud is also uh, rain. Rain, when it pours down, becomes um, absorbed by plants. Plants can get eaten, and it's a, it's a part of a continuation. And rain can be found in all of those things. You, you can look at a river and you can see rain. Or you can look at uh, a cloud and you can see the river. 
So in that sense, if the if emptiness or formlessness has to do with interdependence, I would say signlessness has a lot to do with impermanence, meaning the thing that you that it is right now isn't always that thing. If you look at it through the lens of time and zoom either forward or backward in time, the thing isn't the thing anymore. It's connected to other uh, other moments of time where it would be something else. And in that sense, then you recognize, okay, well, then a cloud doesn't die. It simply transforms into something else. The form changes, but uh, the energy of, of a thing is never lost. And when we realize the signlessness or the nature of signlessness, then we don't have to be so attached to the temporary form or the temporary sign of a thing as it is. Now, signlessness was is an important lens to have when we are looking at uh, the nature of reality or the nature of our minds. In fact, the Buddha is, uh, purportedly, uh, was purported to have said, where there is a sign, there is deception. And that's a, a powerful understanding. In other words, the thing that I'm looking at isn't what I think it is. And this is echoed in other Buddhist teachings, going back again to uh, the six blind men and the elephant, right? The idea here is that whatever you're perceiving from whatever position you happen to have, wherever you're standing, if you are a blind person describing an elephant, you're limited based on where you are in that space and time. If I'm standing at the tail, I will perceive it a certain way. If I'm standing at the trunk, I will perceive this thing to be a different way. And in that analogy of the blind man and the elephant, you can kind of see this through the lens of both space and time, right? Because if the elephant's sitting down, uh, well, well, space is where you're standing. Time is what's happening in that moment. If the elephant is rolling around on the ground, you will perceive it to be one way. If it's sitting, it's another way. If, uh, if it's dead, if it hasn't been born, you know, like there are different uh, points in time that also affect your perception of what the elephant is and how you would describe what an elephant is. So keep in mind here this notion of constant change, this notion of impermanence. And that leads me to my first thought, the correlation of signlessness with the Buddhist concept of rebirth, or the notion of rebirth. Rebirth is one of those um, topics that can be a little bit tricky. Uh, I think in, in our framework, we typically think of birth as uh, the beginning of our existence, right? And then death is the uh, ending of our existence. We think in concepts of birth and death, in concepts of existence and non-existence. But rather than thinking of rebirth as what happens when we die, think about rebirth as what's happening while you're alive. It's, it's something that when you frame it in the context of the present moment, I think it has a much more powerful and significant uh, teaching. Moment to moment, one moment gives rise to the next moment, right? So the moment that we have right now is the, the result of the death of the previous moment. And the moment that we have right now needs to die for the next moment to exist. So instead of framing it in, these, uh, in this lens of birth and death, Think of it, rebirth is, is essentially alluding to continuation. 
it's pointing to the first law of thermodynamics, which is that energy can neither be created nor be destroyed. It can only be transferred from one form to another. Uh, this recognizing this, it's uh, a thing doesn't exist and then cease to exist. Energy doesn't cease to exist, right? Uh, as Alan Watts framed this, he said, you are something the universe is doing in the same way that a wave is something that the ocean is doing. And when we understand that, if we were to say, well, a wave is born and then it dies, that's simply a misunderstanding of reality. Uh, the wave, the, the, the notion of birth and death, the notion of existence and non-existence, when you realize this, you know, that a wave is the ocean, seems unskillful. It's an unskillful notion to hold. We don't have to think of the wave in terms of birth and death. You, you can think of it in terms of continuation. The wave was the ocean, and then uh, you know, the, 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 wave, the ocean gives rise to a wave, and the wave is there doing what a wave does. And then when the wave crashes, it goes back to being the ocean. But there is no birth and death. There's only the continuation of water and the forces of the moon and wind and all these causes and conditions that give rise to waves. So think, of, think about it through that context. And why would it be any different with anything else in the universe? including or perhaps especially us. So that's signlessness correlated to rebirth. Now, signlessness, uh, the sign of a thing is a matter of perception. How I perceive something is a sign. Signlessness is not a mere philosophical concept in Buddhism. It is a practice. And that's why I wanted to do a podcast episode about this. We, we practice signlessness by recognizing that the appearance of a thing, in other words, its sign, is not the same thing as the thing itself. There's a, a, an expression in Buddhism that says the finger pointing at the moon is not the moon. And this comes from a story. Um, you can find this in, in Thich Nhat Hanh's book, Old Path, White Clouds. There's a passage where the Buddha is talking to his uh, disciples or his followers. And I'm going to read that section of the book. It starts like this, quote, bhikkhus, uh, bhikkhus is a term that's used uh, in, in Buddhism, especially in, in, in the old tradition when you're talking about the times of the Buddha, bhikkhus were the, the followers, the disciples. So here's the quote, quote, bhikkhus, the teaching is merely a vehicle to describe the truth. Don't mistake it for the truth itself. A finger pointing at the moon is not the moon. The finger is needed to know where to look for the moon, but if you mistake the finger for the moon itself, you will never know the real moon. The teaching is like a raft that carries you to the other shore. The raft is needed, but the raft is not the other shore. An intelligent person would not carry the raft around on his head after making it across to the other shore. Bhikkhus, my teaching is the raft which can help you cross to the other shore beyond birth and death. Use the raft to cross to the other shore, but don't hang on to it as your property. Do not become caught in the teaching. You must be able to let it go. Close quote. Now that to me is a really powerful teaching that encompasses the, the overall notion of Buddhist teachings, uh, which is exactly as the Buddha said, that the teaching is a raft and it carries you to the other shore. 
And what is the other shore? He says it right there, beyond, it's the shore beyond birth and death. Birth and death are notions. We carry these notions. And once these teachings help us to understand that birth and death is a notion that we can go beyond that concept, um, wouldn't that be enlightenment? I mean, that's the whole teaching of of the three doors of liberation, that the, through these three concepts of emptiness, aimlessness, and signlessness, you can open the door into a, a more enlightened world, a world where you now perceive reality more accurately as it really is. I think that's a, a, a really neat thing to think about. Uh, and in that sense, signlessness is really about letting go. It's perhaps letting go of what you think you see, and this can be applicable in our everyday lives. Again, one of the main focuses that I have when I talk about Buddhist concepts and, and, and teachings is how do these things come into play in everyday life? Because most of us, uh, myself and, and probably you included, those of you listening, we're just everyday people. Uh, we're not out sitting in a cave in the Himalayas meditating on these things. We're Most of us are just going about our day-to-day -day lives doing what normal people do in day-to-day -day lives. Um, I am a father. I am a spouse. I deal with all the things that encompass those two roles. Uh, I'm, I have co-workers. I have people that I interact with. I go to the store. I have the cashier that I have to interact with. You know, it's a very ordinary day-to-day -day life. So here's an example of this signlessness and practice. When I interact with someone, let's say you go to the store and you're interacting with someone and they seem very angry, very short-tempered. Well, immediately I see the sign, right? That here's an angry person or here's a mean person or this person is a jerk. However, however I perceive that person to be, that is the sign. That's uh, the, the, Think of it as that's the first layer of what you see. And we make meaning of that. Okay, then this means this. So this practice of signlessness is saying, well, wait what I'm seeing here, if it's signless, in other words, it's not permanent, um, what I would want to do with the practices when I interact with an angry person, I might say, what's really going on? Is, is this an angry person? Or could it be that there is a layer deeper under the anger? Perhaps it's sadness, a person who's grieving, a person who's uh, dealing with guilt or shame. Could be as simple as someone who's just embarrassed about uh, something that just happened and that embarrassment uh, gets translated into anger or, or, or something like that, something else. Uh, this would be the start of signlessness, it's, it, of practicing signlessness. It's that you keep looking and what do you see? You, you keep in mind this notion that the, the finger pointing at, at the moon is not the moon. So when I see a person who's angry, that is a sign. What is this pointing at? This could be pointing at something else, right? Again, uh, an emotion that's beneath the anger. And it, it could go way deep, right? All the way to how this person was raised, the interaction this person had with, with their parents. It could, be, it could be incredibly deep and complex to where it's not really knowable, and maybe they don't know it, uh, and you at best would just be guessing. But it, it doesn't the point isn't to identify, ah, here's what's really happening. The point is that you identify, I think what's happening is probably not the real thing that's happening, right? That's, that's the notion of signlessness. It's saying, I perceive this thing as what it is, 
but I think this thing is connected to other things and there's more to it than what I see. We do this again with the, the example that's used often is looking at a cloud, right? I can see a cloud in its present state and the cloud has the sign of being a cloud, but in the same way that a cloud isn't born and a cloud doesn't die, it's a continuation of, of energy to see signlessness the signlessness of the cloud is to see the cloud and everything that led to it and everything that will come from it. And when I do this with people, I can do the same thing. I see here an instance of a person experiencing anger. What could have given rise to this? And what things could come of this? If I take this person's anger and their interaction with me, and now, now I allow that to make me experience anger and affect how I interact with the next person that I'm about to interact with, um, is that the skillful approach? Or could there be a more skillful way? And again, I want to emphasize here, don't make this about right or wrong. It's not saying it's wrong to be angry. It's not saying that it's wrong for you to get angry when someone else is angry. Don't, don't, don't think of it through that context. Think of it through the lens of skillful and unskillful. If I can recognize through practicing signlessness that when I am experiencing something or I am, let, let's say I'm encountering a person who's experiencing anger, how I take that and how I interact with the next person, is it skillful to perpetuate that or would it be more skillful to um, pause for a moment and, and analyze, huh, why did that ruffle my feathers? This person is clearly upset about something. Do I need to be upset about that? You know, that pause alone may be enough to change the interaction that's going to happen next with you and the next person that you interact with. That's kind of alluding to this notion of signlessness. Um, all right, so we know that energy is, is uh, not of the nature of birth and death. It is of the nature of continuation. This is the lens that we should apply when we're thinking about how we practice signlessness, that uh, reality is not of the is not of the nature of birth and death. That's a concept. So the concept of of start and finish, birth and death, existence and non-existence, simply doesn't fit the the mold of what we understand reality to be, which is that reality is of the nature of continuation. This is because that is that is practicing signlessness. There is an element of not knowing that has to be tied into signlessness. And that is, if I sit here and I start uh, interpreting, oh, well, what was this thing before it was this thing? There is, the answer at some point is, I don't know, right? If I do this with a person, here's this person who's angry. Okay, they're angry. I wonder why they were angry. I can imagine stories. Oh, maybe someone cut them off on the on the road, or maybe maybe they had a, a, a fight with a loved one at home before coming to the store. Sure, those are possibilities, but they're all uncertain. We don't know what it is. It very well could be this person is a jerk because how they were raised. We don't know, right? So again, hold space for the uncertainty. The element of not knowing is a very important part of the practice in Buddhism. This is why there's that expression with, um, with little doubt, there's little awakening. With uh, big doubt, there's big awakening and, and no doubt, no awakening. I'm paraphrasing that, but uh, you get the gist of it. And the idea is that we need to hold space for not knowing. You can do this on, on the small scale of things, like interacting with the person and not knowing why they're actually angry. But you can also do this as an introspective 
practice with the big things, the big existential questions. And, you know, why is there the universe? Or is there a God? Or any of the big questions. What happens when we die? You can sit with the uh, answer of, I don't know. It's perfectly fine to not know. In fact, any tradition out there that gives you answers eventually uh, runs up against this not knowing, right? Science, for example, can give us answers all the way to where we, you know, we think that there was a Big Bang. Well, what was there before the Big Bang? Well, we don't know. What was there before there was the thing that was before the Big Bang? We don't know. You're always going to encounter, we don't know, or I don't know. And on the religious side, this is the same, right? If you frame your understanding of reality through the divine and, and you have a belief that there is a God and God is the creator of all these things, well, what was there before God? You run into the same issue. I don't know, or, or we don't know. And of course, you can come up with potential answers, stories that, uh, just like in science, theories, right, that, that say, well, maybe it was this. But still, uncertainty is, a, is the key element here. We don't know. And signlessness holds, practicing uh, signlessness is holding space for this uncertainty. The important thing is that you recognize things, the, the, the finger pointing at the moon is not the moon. So the thing that I am perceiving in this moment is not the complete picture. In other words, it's not the permanent thing that it is. In the same way that the cloud is impermanent, all things have causes and conditions. Um... So the last correlation I want to make is signlessness correlated with aimlessness, which is the, the topic from the last podcast episode. So we don't have to go seeking the truth of things, right? This is aimlessness correlated to signlessness is, is recognizing if, if uh, continuation is the nature of things and it's cyclical in nature, um, I may not be able to get to the heart of a matter, you know, you, what is the thing before it was that? Well, I might be able to go two or three layers deep uh, or six or seven layers deep, but it keeps going. And, and you can't ever get to the beginning of it because there isn't a beginning of it, uh, at least not in any concept, way, shape, or form that we could fathom or that we could understand. And that is where aimlessness can become a powerful practice correlated to signlessness. You don't have to go seeking what was before birth and seeking what is after death. You don't have to go seeking enlightenment. What is enlightenment? What is nirvana? Uh, what is non-enlightenment? Uh, you can experience the peace that comes from seeing past the notion of birth and death, beyond the notion of being and non-being, of enlightened and non-enlightened. This is what it means to let go. This is one of the, the key teachings that the Buddha taught towards the end of his life was a meditation on the ability to let things go. And this is what was implied in his statement to his bhikkhus about uh, learning to let go even of his own teachings, which I think is a pretty powerful statement. It's saying all these things that I've taught you, please don't attach to them. These are all merely tools. That's a, a notion that I would echo in everything I've ever taught in the podcast or in the books, it's like these are just tools to put in your tool belt and the quiver of tools to help with a slightly more skillful understanding of your own mind. But that's all they are. Don't attach to them. Uh, overall, as we sum this up, remember signlessness is a practice. It's not just a concept. 
Uh, remember, one of the last teachings was the meditation on letting go, letting go of notions, and it was specifically letting go of notions like birth and death. Birth and death are notions. Uh, being and non-being, those are notions. What happens when we let go of those notions or those signs? Again, if you were to apply this to something like a wave, it seems like common sense, right? I don't have to get caught up in the, in, in the birth and the death of a wave. Just, it seems silly. But why do, we do, why do we get caught up with the notion of birth and death when it comes to ourselves and our loved ones? What, what, what does it look like to go beyond the notion of birth and death and to see all things through this lens of continuation, just like we, we see in, in nature and in reality. The nature of a cloud is not the nature of birth and death. It's the nature of continuation. So with that, I think signlessness is a form of liberation, liberation from the notions that we carry that bind us to a wrong perception of reality. And when we are bound to that wrong perception of reality, we experience a sense of suffering and, and discomfort that arises simply from having an unskillful notion of reality. Birth and death, to me, certainly fit in, in this uh, description of an unskillful view of reality. To go beyond the notion of birth and death is to practice this notion of signlessness. And you, and you practice it with the little things. So hopefully you'll carry this thought with you over the next few weeks. Practice this notion of signlessness, signlessness as a practice. Again, looking at it through the lens of time. This thing that I see, yes, that's what I see. That's what it is now. But what is it pointing to? What came before it? What will come after it? And that little exploration uh, may create the gap in how you're perceiving things to be. And who knows what could open up? That's, that's walking through the door of signlessness. What's on that other side? I don't know. But uh, I've experienced it on multiple occasions practicing this. What will you experience as you uh, practice this notion? All right. Well, that's all I have to share with you today. That's all I have for this episode. And I look forward to sharing more thoughts on another topic in another episode later. Thank you for listening. Until next time. <laughs>